Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Pilot Light, um, a podcast where we watch the first episode, or in this case, first two episodes of a TV series, and then we talk about it. Um, this is a bit of a special episode, so I'm going to delay the uh, statutory introductions for just a second, uh, because we watch WandaVision, which is a show that only just came out, which is a bit new for us. Um, and we watched the first two episodes because they came out at the start. My name's David, and I have failed to prepare an introductory statement. Oh, poor, poor, poor. My name's Sam, and three, two, one, flourish. <laughs> uh, my name's Joe, and breakfast for dinner? How very European. <laughs> um, so, yeah, WandaVision. Uh, this is the first... Marvel um, TV series to come out in the new sort of like the new Disney Plus. Uh, we own everything and we want all of your money thing instead of just most of your money. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd like to congratulate us on doing a show from 2021 in January 2021. Like I think I think we're. To be honest, I think I'd like to congratulate us on not doing a show from the 90s. That's you know. Well, yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, although hopefully this show will reach the 90s eventually, based on. It's just a Seinfeld episode. It's just it's a the Seinfeld. circle of the podcast, you know. So Wonder in um, a massive in a massive curly wig. Oh my god! Please, God, please. Absolutely. Before we before we get into discussing it, I just want to say as a statement that just in case you found this and you obviously you haven't listened to our podcast before, because of course why would you have done? Um, we are going to talk about these first two episodes quite in depth. There'll be spoilers for the entirety of those. Uh, if you aren't up to date on Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff and you don't want to be spoiled on that, also turn this off because we'll spoil all of that as well. Um, just sort of an FYI. Very good. Good housekeeping. Well done. So in WandaVision, um, it's a show that blends the style of classic sitcoms with the Marvel Cinematic Universe in which Wanda, Maximoff and Vision, two superhero beings living their ideal suburban lives, begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. This is a show that... Um, Dave, so Dave, you mentioned not being like up-to-date on the MCU, and that is totally me. I haven't seen the last couple of films. So this is a show that... The last one we all watched together was um, Age of Ultron, which came out in 1862, I believe. <laughs> yes. About yeah. 3,000 Marvel films ago. Yeah. <laughs> It's and I think that that's the kind of tone that I left the the the, the largest cinematic universe was like uh, okay. actually to be fair you, you know what like without going to do much detail I think that was the film that killed Marvel for me yes yeah um, I've not really like watched Marvel since and I just I can't I struggle to get back into it Age of Ultron is a trash movie but um, I suppose that's well, a confusing thing and this is a logical place to start from my, from my point of view I've got some questions for you guys because obviously I've watched them all. Um, because, uh, what's the word? I don't have anything else to take up my time. It's like Pokemon, <coughs> you've got to watch them all. You've got to watch them all. Um, you know, by not having a wife and children, um, I, I therefore need I've all... been locked inside for the past 12 Exactly, months. I need all these things to like fill my time. So I've watched all the Marvel movies up to date, um, and I'm probably a bit more, you know, more knowledgeable of, of it. So in Age of Ultron, which again, I believe is the last film we watched together, and quite probably the last Avengers film you guys watched, uh, we meet Wanda Maximoff for the first time in that movie, but I th- I'm fairly sure is is Vision in that movie. Mm. I have no memory of. I Wanda think he might be, be in that movie, towards to be the fair, very so. end. 
I remember a scene on a spaceship where they're all <laughs> arguing and visions there. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm like I that is when I gave up. And so this this show, for me, is like it, it could almost not be a Marvel show. You know, that's that's the level that I'm at. I saw it on Disney Plus, and pretty much from the cover of it, I went, hmm, interesting. And and then from there, like, I didn't really know much about the show. However, when I put it on and watched it, it's exactly what I thought it was. So, well done, Disney Marketing. Um, but I'm kind of viewing this. My perspective is, like, I, am, I this is just any TV show that happens to have a connection to the Marvel Universe. And that's the kind of level that I've been enjoying it at. As opposed to maybe your view, Dave, which is, like, plug me back into the MCU Matrix machine, you know, like back in the pods i'm gonna feed and um supply the <laughs> supply the overlords with my with my brain power uh, I, i'm kind of in the middle of you two i think because i have i've not seen many marvel films or anything like that in between kind of age of ultron but i have watched a couple of the tv series so i've seen jessica jones and i've seen some of iron fist but that that doesn't bear watching it's not great and i have seen um, one or two of the films since I've seen Ant Man. Was that after Age of Ultron? I assume so. Um, yes. Um, just as a slight um, <coughs> housekeeping thing, the Netflix Marvel shows are all what's the word? Like they're they're much more distinct from the MCU than this TV show, which is kind of yeah. like a spin off of that. Whereas those shows, yeah. you know, it, it's quite nebulous the connection between the two. So, mm. Dave, tell us your like. You've seen the last Marvel movie, um, not the does, last one, but only no, you no, know, the fortieth one or whatever it was. Endgame. What have you? What? what where does this follow on then? Because I have no idea. So at the end of um, Avengers uh, Endgame, um, I think is the last one. Um, logically, you know, we all save the world and everyone comes back to life. Um, Any Avengers ever. In Infinity, this is an interesting point actually. Before we get into these episodes, is so in Infinity War and so the other Avengers films, they basically establish this romance between Vision and Wanda, which we, you obviously don't get in the film where those two characters are introduced, um, just from a timekeeping point of view. Um, but you, you know, these two characters, and you, you see this budding romance kind of happening, like as as odd, odd as it is to say, kind of like off screen in the Avengers films. Yeah, you get enough a, of it. It's a comic book thing, isn't it? Like in the in the in the comic canon, they they have children and they are, they they were together. Yes. Um, so they kind of like carry that over to the movies. Uh, in Infinity War, at the very end of Infinity War, um, Thanos, the big purple guy, uh, he kills half of the population of the universe. Um, but shortly before he does that. Um, he rips the um, power stone out of Vision's head, um, killing him. And then, even when the Avengers go back in time, and there's a whole Back to the Future reference in that last film, they go back in time and fix it, essentially, um, or undo it. Like Vision's still dead. Um, so there's an interesting sort of conversation there, where watching this TV show, they obviously don't address how it is that he's alive in this. Yeah, or, or um, which is something alive. that like was in the back of my mind watching it was like, didn't he die? Like, mm. wasn't he one of the ones who was like dead, dead? He wasn't just like temporarily dead. 
Well, well, this is let's just talk, let's maybe talk about upfront. Like, so this this show this um, show is, I don't know if it's satire or even parody. It's very um, it's very loving, isn't it? It's like a loving homage to the sitcoms, and that and that's that's to me what is the most interesting interesting about this is like these two clearly fish out of water characters thrust into the Dick Van Dyke show and then bewitched <laughs> like two very non-marvel properties that you think would be strange that they're <laughs> trying to have these characters in there and and the other well, thing let's not bury the lead sam these first two episodes are in black and white well exactly exactly that is i i oh I sorry think... i should say correctly i think they're actually in grayscale yeah see yeah just because of the way that they're shot digitally but the, but they're also yeah it's it, it, i think it's 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 the thing that attracted me to this immediately was wow they are going for it they are absolutely going for it and there's so many things that you notice in this like the way that the the way that the cameras move are just spot on like they're exactly right in terms of 50s sitcoms you know it's all it's a multi-camera setup they switch around they move a little bit but it's all very static it feels like a set you know the whole thing is so genuine feeling and as and as the both episodes progress, you get these occasional moments where they slip out of character, and and because of some something's going on, like the, when the guy when the, the boss was choking on the food, and there's this amazing moment where Wanda says, you know, saving vision, and everything changes. The cinematography completely changes, and we're in we're in like 2021. This is how television shot mode with straight up angles. The whole thing just has this really like genuine feel to it and then switches on a dime so that's the that's the first thing that i noticed and the second thing kind of builds on your point dave about vision being dead in the mcu all this is through the lens of wonder really like she's the main character as much as vision is there he's kind of like floating around he's much more unaware i think of what's going on than than Wanda is. Um, we see that in episode two when there's the radio and then you know someone's shouting, "What's going on, Wanda? What are they doing to you?" And and you know she's she's kind of getting pulled out of this idyllic life that they're living in black and white um, by whatever the hell is going on outside. You know, outside the in the real world. So there's it's that real genuine feel of trying to like capture what these sitcoms are like. And also, really nicely, I think, hinting at um, Wanda's story. And I just, as someone who knows nothing about her as a character beyond what's in the comics, I, I'm so intrigued by that. I'm so intrigued by what they've got planned and what is the potential kind of backstory behind all this. But it, it, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like a, it teases this larger plot, doesn't it? That it never actually, in these first two episodes anyway, you don't really get the hook of it, you just kind of get the scent of it, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I kind of see what they were going for, and I think, um, you know, the casting's excellent. There's some quite big names in this. Um, even as part of the kind of backup cast, you know, you've got Deborah Jo Rupp, who was in that 70s show, so she's been in quite a few sort of things. Um, and you've got, is it Catherine Hahn? Is that her name? The one who's in um, sort of Parks and Rec and quite a few other things Who does well, she play, so. Joe? Sorry? Who does she play? She plays the neighbour, Sam. The, oh, the nice neighbour. Agnes. Agnes. Yeah, right, she's yeah. Agnes, I think she's called. Thanks. 
Um, yeah, she's really excellent. I like her. She's a um, there's yeah. a lot of like um, hey, it's that guy. I suppose I suppose it's hey, it's that woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know that that you see in like a lot of things, like rarely in a starring role, but usually in like in Parks and Rec, especially she's excellent. Um, and she's who's also that in. Girl, who's that girl? Sorry, she's in a she's in an episode or two or two of um, Brooklyn Nine Nine as well as um, as uh, Charles Boyle's ex-wife, vindictive ex-wife, and I just think she's a great character actor. And she's yeah. really good in this as well, you know. Someone mm-hmm. with good um, screen presence. Yeah. I think all of the performances are very, very solid, very good. Um, and then, of course, the was it, is it Penny in the second episode, the blonde-haired um, woman who's, like, in charge of the, the picnic or the... the I recognise um, the act. She, she's, in, um, she's in Buffy um, for a oh, few... Oh, um, yeah. Um, for a few kind of episodes, she's kind of a recurring character, I think. Is she? Mm-hmm. Is it Dexter's wife? No, you guys, you guys talk. No, it's not Dexter's wife. No, I don't think so. Who? So I haven't seen Dexter, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm feeling yeah. a butt coming on, Joe. Um, but yes, um, I, I kind of see what they were going for, and I appreciate it's completely different to anything else. The kind of issue that I have is that I there's not enough there for me to kind of want to watch more of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the only thing it has going for it is it that it is different. There's not really a story there. I didn't find it funny. Um, in which case, what's the reason for watching? And I know you know there's going to be a big reveal at the end and things, but there needs to be kind of something there to kind of keep me kind of entertained. Um, and I just. I didn't feel it in either of the two episodes we watched. It's very much relying on you finding the joke of these superheroes pretending to be um, sitcom characters funny. Like that is, if you don't get, if if you don't connect with that, I think that you've <laughs> the the show's got a problem. You know what I mean? Because it, yeah. other than maybe, and it literally probably is about one minute forty seconds worth of other content, like outside of them running uh, having a. The, the, the boss over for dinner or running a stage uh, a magic show when a magic show when he's drunk like other than that which is very very like old-fashioned sitcom fare um it kind of doesn't really tease much beyond uh, the occasional scene one of the questions i've got is how quickly are we going to get to that because there's clearly something going on there's clearly you know wanda's got these kind of like um uh, tele- uh, tele- uh, telepathy powers and all these other kind of like crazy shit. She can move things around. She, she has these things. wonderfully um, in the MCU. She has these wonderfully unspecified witch powers, which yeah. which are kind of like everything else in the MCU. Um, she's basically as powerful as the situation <laughs> situation yeah. demands. Uh, just as a sidebar, um, the actress we were talking about earlier is Emily Emma Caulfield Ford, and she played Anya in Buffy. Um, there we go. Uh, so, is she the one that um, Willow? Is that is that Willow? No, she's um, Xander's girlfriend. Who's the, Xander's, the ex-demon. I knew she was one of them's girlfriend. Yeah, in yeah. The, the later seasons, um, and she's not been in much else, which is I think why we were like um, I recognised her. But obviously, she was in a TV show I watched a lot of that came out mm-hmm. twenty years ago. Um, yeah. Before I think maybe before we get into like maybe talking about where we think this series is going and stuff like that, can we talk about the plots of it? Um, as a logical sort of like meaty innard of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so we have these two episodes. 
Uh, I'm going to go through the plot of the first one, just briefly, and then one of you, I'll leave you to decide amongst yourselves, will go through the second one. So, in the first episode, we're introduced to um, this terrifying suburban 50s cul-de-sac in America. Um, terrifying? I was like, God damn it. Dude, that, there is so much crime going on, there is so much murder <laughs> and like sex crime going on in this neighbourhood, I promise you. I've seen, a lot of, I've seen a lot of TV and there's a lot going on, alright? <laughs> It, it looks amazing. This is going to kill her. This has already killed her husband. It you is, know for a fact it he's is dead in the freezer. A a really wonderful set. Um, you've reminded me, Sam. Just a bit of trivia. One of the houses we see, I think the one that um, Anya from Buffy lives in, um, is the house that Murtar lives in in Lethal Weapon Two. I think. Wow. Like it's the same house. Anyway, that is, that's irrelevant of this. That's a fact. I, I love. I really want to live in this street. Like, God damn, look at the size of their house, and only one of them. Only one of them working at a relatively middling job. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, good. yes. You've got the racism, and you've got the all the horribleness of the fifties. But nice big house and the red scare. Don't forget the red scare. There's, oh, there's the a, red scare a, too. There's yeah. a through line here. Um, <laughs> so we meet in the opening credits. Uh, Wonder and Vision. They're driving a car that says "just married." They pull into the house, and this, for me, was the watching it like, is this a bewitched thing? <laughs> because we immediately see Wanda like, starting to use her like witch powers to... She puts a sold sign on the house, they move in. Um, and the, basically, the plot of this episode is that, um, in a really like synergy with our Jetsons episode of two weeks ago, um, uh, Vision and Wanda are having Vision's boss round for dinner, um, which we're given to believe is some like rite of passage for new employees. You have to have the boss round for dinner and impress him. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. kind of it, really, plot-wise. Yeah, not, like, going on in the background, but That's kind yeah. of like, as far as the sitcom, pl- sitcom plot goes, um, mm-hmm. our logline is, uh, you know, this uh, Vision's boss comes for dinner and Wanda is not prepared for that eventuality. That's it. Yeah. But we should finish say that we kind of we get a very the last shot is zooming out and we see someone watching this on TV, so that's the that's the point where we go okay so something's going on here you know this is this is a weird. There's only maybe two like we mentioned before. There's only maybe two instances in this episode where it jars enough that yeah, it reminds us that mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and like you said, this is a bit where Wanda says to Vision, you know, I will save him. And like you said, I think cinem- from a cinematography point of view, I think that is dead on because, um, especially reading about the production, uh, they used dozens and dozens of different lenses um, to emulate the style of the 1950s in shooting this. It's wonderful. Um, so then when, like you said, when Wanda says, save him, Vision, and we zoom in, like it's the change, like you said, it's, it's suddenly we catch up from you know 60 years of, of television you know technology and then we're out again and then it, like I said at the very end we have someone making notes and they're watching this on the screen and that's kind yeah. of all we get in this episode in terms of like a larger grander plot I don't know if you guys in, would agree I would but then in episode 2 it's kind of fast forward to fast forward to the 60s as we mentioned and we get this we get them planning a, a show a, a magic show um, which is really I think that that is I just love that whole sequence. I think it's brilliant and amazing acting by Paul Bettany, um, who is largely eclipsed, I think, um, by by uh, Olsen in this. 
Opposite because, any, almost anyone else, you'd be like, oh, wow, Paul Bettany's is really doing like, a lot of work and he's really acting really well. But then with it, against Elizabeth Elston, he kind of pales. <laughs> she she is doing something else, isn't she? Like, ah, there's there's like a... There's a real melancholy and a real like sense of uh, mystery in her performance, which I think is just... It's just wonderful, and it really—I think it really grounds. It grounds this first episode as well, because and it centers around that moment where he says, "Save him," and you're like, "Whoa, she, fucking Scarlet Witch is here!" You know, like this is—it's all getting serious now. I think she really, she really sells it, as well as being charming and funny and and all these other things that that are so essential for that character that she's playing inside the TV show. Um, episode two, fast forward to the sixties, as we say, and and. Uh, the, the bit where he swallows gum, and we see that like that that very sixties style graphic with the gum is inside his cogs, you know, in, in a cartoon. Um, he gets drunk, and they struggle to perform the the the, the show, and Wanda has to use some abilities to make the magic tricks look like magic tricks, as opposed to you know terrifying aliens doing <laughs> doing their <laughs> their crazy shit, but. There's also the scene with um, the helicopter, and we get this weird like uh, Schindler's List moment where every where where Wanda sees the helicopter, everything else is black and white, and she sees it as a red helicopter. Like that's she's very clearly seeing it as red, which means that she sees everything else as black and white. Is how I took it, and there's something going on with that. It's not really clear. Well, it's the same. It's the same colours as Stark's outfit, isn't it? You know, Iron Man is the way I kind of took it. Yeah, or it's vision, like a red and red and yellow, or vision because vision's red, isn't he as well? So, mm-hmm. well, um, um, I think. Well, that's just, more just very of quickly, a... just because the blood, there's a, there's also the blood as well, which we see. Well, one... rel- relative to that, Sam, I think it's more a play on the fact that her name in the comics is Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah, um, which yeah. we don't get a lot of in the movies. She's Wanda in the movies, but I think it's more trying to sort of like lean into that title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 those those are so it's it's kind of like again it's breaking the fifth wall, isn't it? Oh, shit. Of things I that. Like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alexa, you can speak in a minute. <laughs> but but I think I think there's um. There, there's all of these like little hints of what's happening, and then we get towards the end where Wanda becomes suddenly, at least four months pregnant. Like she's very very <laughs> pregnant very quickly. You are the resident expert on how pregnant someone is. Yes, I am indeed. And then we get the weird beekeeper thing. Now, the, in a manhole in the street, the beekeeper comes up and and then Wanda kind of like resets everything and just says, no, we're not doing this. And whoop, we're back inside and then everything turns into the uh, the 70s because we're in colour. Now, I think Which I think should, is a, you know, a really well done, again, another really well done shot as the colour spreads. And yeah, did, did you notice the kind of like was, blurring in, 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 the, in the way that the old TV cameras, when they had light behind them, they kind of blurred and it was just like, you yeah. could see the separation of, 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 the, of the lenses, just stuff like that, just super nice. It re- they really did the work on this, and but what really shocked me was that you go, you've in, even in two episodes, 60 minutes of screen time, you've gotten really used to... Um, it being in black and white so then like when it goes to colour the fact that um, I think Wanda's wearing red as well is like wow I did not see red <laughs> in black and white but do you know what I mean from the shades 
It's um, yeah. it's quite visually arresting. So, in terms of in terms of um, where this might go, because that's what I'm kind of I'm, I'm interested in. I'm interested in, in to see. And usually, it's funny because we go we go back and watch a show from the '90s that we've know all about because we've either watched it or read it up on Wikipedia. So this is one where we don't know what's going to happen because it isn't out yet. We're on two episodes. There's 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 got to be some point where the show splits off from this. We're going to have a sitcom every week, um, and lends itself into right now. We're going to be getting into whatever the hell's going on. And I think what's I don't crucial, know maybe I don't think maybe it needs to split off, Sam. But I do think that. We need more. We need more. Um, yeah. We'll let Joe come in because I think Joe's probably got like a something, definitely something to say on this subject. Yeah, but, I mean, as I say, it, it all, I guess it all depends on how long they carry on kind of doing different periods. So I, the next one will probably be set in the 70s and then the 80s, then the 90s and things, and whether it will kind of carry on doing that until it gets to like, you know, 2000s or whatever, or whether after like a certain episode they just decide to go for it. Personally, I, I think they'll kind of do this sitcom style um, until the last episode, because I think there's only eight episodes in the season. Nine. Nine. So I, I think that this will be up until the end, and then I think it'll be a big cliffhanger at the end where you get the whole reveal about what actually happened, or what's going on sort of thing. I, so I, I think the reveal will be right at the end, and obviously that'll be the end of season one. Yeah, I do hope that they give us more in terms of the overarching plot, because... Like just to sort of like be in Joe's corner here in terms of like somebody who maybe didn't love this, um, which I think is probably a fair summation, Joe. Um, yeah, it's th- fine. There's not a lot yeah. in these first two episodes, like really to grab you. And obviously, no. you know, if you've got nothing better to do with your time like me, um, you know, you can watch it and just enjoy it as a novelty. Or like I suppose from your point of view, Sam, you can just enjoy the, the quite complex and like well thought out cinematography that's going on. And there's quite a lot to enjoy here below the surface. But if you're watching this as an episode of television, and I think that's something we keep coming back to on this podcast because, you know, I think it's important. Like, there's not enough here if it was, you know, there's not really enough here to hook you in terms of, like, an overarching plot. You know, in the first episode, we get these little instances of, ooh, everything's not quite right, ooh, but, but not really enough is revealed for us to be thinking, oh, I wonder what's happening, I wonder what's going on, you know. To give you that sort of hook in your mouth to say, come back next week and you'll find out what's going on. Um, you know, especially for sixty minutes of TV. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't know. It it just kind of it it just didn't like the acting's really good. I kind of get that it's really really different, but I just found myself not caring. Um, and, that's and I think that's totally reasonable, issue. Joe. Because like I said, it it yeah. maybe, and this is why it's odd as well because it released the first two episodes of this came out straight away. Um, yeah. Which is why I do think that in the next episode, we will see like a, you know, a big leap in terms of there's something else happening because otherwise, what's the what's the um, thought process behind releasing these two episodes? Also, sidebar, what's the thought process behind doing two black and white like fifties, sixties episodes? You know, that ultimately, in terms of like their plot and what they add in terms of what's going on outside, don't really like lend a great deal to the premise. But I think I think it comes down to the conceptual nature of this. Like you know, it's trying it's trying I, what I appreciate but I think you're right, Dave. I, I I like the like almost T V nerd aspects of this. Um and viewing it as like a 
as like an experiment of how you can recreate a bit like um, the Warren Buffy, you know, the musical episode of Buffy. Yeah. Which is totally off the wall and, you know, it doesn't really fit in with what Buffy's about. However... What about, Sam, the episode where they can't speak and there's about four lines in the whole episode? Exactly. It's like it's like almost like taking the cogs of 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 how this show works and just messing with it all completely, and then the audience gets to see them kind of rebuild it and 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 try and create something new, and that's exactly what I think this is doing. I also think that it's it's such a it's such a departure from what we know about Marvel movies, like you know, huge scores and action and cgi and robots and whatever else and there's none of that there we get a we get really really small story about these people's lives and their love for each other and all these like little these little um almost like observational things about how people live together in in the time periods that they're stuck in through the lens of a marvel um story and i think that's like as much as I do agree, Joe. Like there is, they they need they need to provide a hook, and exactly, Dave. They need to provide a hook in the next episode. They need to do something in episode three. I suspect they're not gonna. I suspect we're gonna get a Brady Bunch episode, in uh, <laughs> because they've got well, the kids. What I mean, I think is, they'll fast is... forward. They'll have a couple of kids. It'll be the Brady Bunch, and we'll be we'll get. An, I reckon we'll get an, another episode of Indulgence, and people like you, Joe, are gonna go meh. I can't be bothered with this. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty much already out. But exactly. I would suspect this is one of those examples where, like, I kind of get what Disney are doing, and we'll talk about the production and the money in a minute, but you and I, Sam, will really love this series, even if they never ever there's never an overarching plot because, yeah. you know, because it's totally. kind of... Do you know what I mean? But if you're just, you know, a viewer, there's not really anything Marvel here. Like, if you're an MCU fan, there's not really a lot of, like... Fan service in this, in terms Which, of which, by the way, I'm all for because again, I'm as tired of Marvel as the next guy. So, oh, absolutely, in, in theory, I'm just trying to sort of like appeal to me, contextualize like the general public, which I would you know largely split into people watching this show, you know, are either people who you know are invested in Marvel properties, or you know people who are look, looking for you know to be you know water, another water cooler show, and obviously we can't have water coolers because we're not allowed out of the house. Um, <laughs> But the concept still exists. So, you know, this is the first Marvel show that we're going to see like this. And, and and it's quite a brave one from that point of view because it's not like a traditional, well, here's a couple of episodes to get you hooked. And this is, you know, the question that, that they, they leave unanswered is, what are you coming back for? And obviously, like you and I, Sam, we're coming back for a Brady Bunch homage with these characters. Um, that shot, you know... Um, true to the, the the technology and the style of the time, um, you, do you know what I mean? We we we're going back for like the minutia of a you know a really lovingly produced homage to you know a, a different period of sitcoms. But what's everyone else coming back for? You know, I I, I defend it by saying that I think that that's fine, and I agree with you. However, this is a this is a limited run you know mini series on disney plus like they're not they're not pumping this in front of the eyes of of the masses who are spent you know who are going to spend a billion pounds on on a movie so so i i think you're right but i think i kind of i kind of want the, them to have this level of creativity 
in terms of the wider MCU, like that, this is what I've lacked. The movies that I, the MCU movies that I love are the first kind of generation ones, you know, Iron Man, etc. Um, maybe like Thor Dark World is where... Just, uh, um, just a point of principle, Sam, Iron Man is probably the only really good film in that first generation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's some ent- like there's some entertaining movies in there though. You know, like the the, the ideas are good, and then we start thread- threading them together, and that's really fun. But after that point, the movies that I love is are Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, um, and you're kind of like anything else is starting to really just push itself down a very very formulaic trail you know i i just i really should i do want to watch rewatch watch the rest of the marvel movies but christ give me a you know give me four weeks um and nothing else to do and, and then i'll do it you know there's just so much investment required whereas this is it's light it's funny and it's providing um something new you know while still having a really quite intriguing mystery so uh, I, 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 I hope... let's not let's not let's not you know um, let's not push the bat too much, Sam. I wouldn't say just as a point of principle here. I don't wouldn't say I'm really intrigued by the mystery because well, I again, am. I am. No, I, I just don't yeah. think they've given us enough. And I don't. I don't mean to say I didn't enjoy this, but like I just want to be really clear on that point. That like from a TV production point of view, that's what I'm shocked about. Is that I would have thought the first flagship Disney Marvel spin-off TV show yeah. would be like a traditional. It would be agent, you know, not agents of Shield, but something of that ilk. Yeah, you know, it would be like it. a, and and this isn't that, and it's more like what you'd expect, sort of like halfway through the cycle, as like a little side project. But isn't that great though? Isn't that great? Because it because this I think this this is giving us a a steer as to where they're going to go with, um, with the Marvel TV universe. You know, it like is if, great, if, Sam. If it takes, if it takes. Now, this is this is this is not a new thing, though. You know, this this type of like mini story is not a, not a new thing. They're stealing this from the comics. This is what comic books have done for decades: is have limited run um, stories that conclude, and then we go back to something else, or we go back to the reality, like the, the concept of the multiverse, which we've seen in Spider Man. Um, so, like, they're really going to, I think, I hope, embrace that concept and say, right, fuck it, we'll just, we're going to have, what happens if Iron Man was a pony and we'll have the Iron Man pony series, you know, where we where we get to Sam, see the Iron Man. you need to keep your pony erotica to yourself after the last time, <laughs> right? I will I will turn this into a Brody podcast so one episode <laughs> at a time. Tom slowly. Brady poker podcast. <laughs> a Tom Brady pony podcast. We're really going down the rabbit hole here. See my um, Patreon dot com. So, so I th- I think that they like this. This should I want them to do more of this. So if if this is like the the first version where it's you know maybe it's a bit slow in getting there, I'm happy with that because I think I'm engaged in Marvel content, and that is not something that I've said for. I mean, are we talking nearly a decade or is it is that too far? When was the last? Yeah, it was not that far off, is it? Like we're looking at maybe. Seven or eight years since I've really could be bothered with a Mar- Marvel uh, world, so I think that's a good win for for Disney. Yeah, um, I, I'm certainly intrigued. Me with I, all my I'll, influence. You with all your influence. So you with the seventy episode podcast, Sam. We're um, 
we're we're very bottom shelf, but you know we're in the pantry, um, <laughs> in the pantry. so to speak. Um, and I kind of I kind of come down sort of sort of the same as you, Sam. I'm excited to see more of this, um, and and it and it kind of is a visual treat more than anything else. I think you know, as a standalone like piece of television, these first two episodes. I, I imagine actually, like, if you're not appreciating the things that they're to appreciate, and you know, you you should by no means be appreciating those things. This could be quite boring, and you may be thinking, like, all right, we'll get to the money shot. You know, where are my superheroes flying around? But for me, I'll be back to watch more, and we may even we may even um, think about doing some sort of like a review show weekly for this for, for this going forwards. Uh, obviously, Joe, you are welcome to not be a part of that. <laughs> I, you know, like I kind of get that. It, you know, I, I appreciate they've gone in a different direction, but I should be kind of like that target audience almost because you know I was into the first Marvel films, but it just got jaded and tired, and every single film's the same, just with different characters. That's a generalization, but I don't care. It's it's right, and I, I I've just lost interest in it completely. And I kind of get that. You, you know, I appreciate what they're, they're going for. It's really well shot, as you guys say. You can appreciate the art of it, but it's not even the fact that like I want superheroes flying around. I don't want that because that's kind of what put me off Marvel in the first place. But I just find myself really not giving a shit about what's happening. Like it, it just it really just did not kind of hit me at all. Um, so yeah, I have pretty much no desire to see where this goes or any other episodes for that matter. Well, that's fair enough, Joe. Um, but unfortunately, you're friends with us, and therefore you'll hear about it regardless of your desires. Um, Through podcast or WhatsApp, you could add another like seven thousandth WhatsApp group. So. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I fucking love a WhatsApp group. Um, what I want to do now, what I want to do now, is like there's loads of cool, fun trivia about this TV show. Um, so off the top, I just want to maybe touch on some of the production in terms of the budget because we we were looking at this and it's. It's really unclear, but basically, like it seems like Disney's written them essentially a blank check. The figure being touted around is that um, the budget for the se- for these nine episodes was twenty five, you know, up to twenty five million an episode um, per which episode is an astounding amount of money. I don't even see what friends million at its height. Worth. Even friends at its height, you know, they were only paying their they were only paying salaries of like you know. Six million was it? A million per friend at the end, and like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously part of that I think is that um, you know Paul Bettany and um, Elizabeth, Olsen Elizabeth Olsen are movie actors, and therefore they kind of demand a, a higher going rate than TV actors. Um, you know, I would be interested to see what they earn for this. Um, obviously, because they're not like um, the stars of the MCU, but. You know, movie 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 actors, as a rule, earn more than TV actors. Um, so I'd be interested to know where this money went. Obviously, like, but that's an intriguing thing, isn't it? And obviously, Disney owns everything and has all the money in the world, and that's fine. We'll all be the the mouse owns us basically. Um, but you know, that their, their belief in this like weird like limited series to write, you know, essentially the 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 budget for a you know, a really big budget blockbuster. It probably costs them as much as it costs to make, you know, some of the Avengers films to make this nine episode series, which I think is kind of crazy because the economics yeah, of film well, and TV is... are very, very different, usually. Um, I think Mandalorian was about 15 million an episode. Wow. 
So they're kind of throwing money at things, aren't they? I mean, you know, you're looking at, you know, do the maths, 25 times 9. <laughs> like, it's a heck of a lot of money. Like, it's, you know, $200 million on a TV show. But you, I, 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 the way I interpret it is that Disney is not taking any chances whatsoever when it comes to Marvel and Star Wars. I think that is the lesson I hope they've learned from the Star Wars sequels is, um, you know, like money's, you throw as much money as it needs and you, 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 you get it right. You don't just amble because your way through. I like suppose they did what, especially with, with the, they're trying to sell Disney Plus subscriptions with this, which is kind of, I suppose, different to the box office receipts thing. And so what yeah. they're trying to do is not necessarily like, this isn't necessarily even the sort of show, they don't even necessarily need you to watch this show. What they want you to do is get a Disney Plus subscription. And to do that, they need to start, they need to be releasing content that's, you know, Netflix releases a lot of content, but, you know, probably 80% of it is quite bad. Um, hmm. And obviously Disney Plus have decided that they're going in the opposite direction. Shit at a wall, see what sticks. Exactly. Whereas Disney, I think you're going to be a little bit more like, a lot of it still might be shit, but it'll be, you know, higher priced shit. Well, they've um, already kind of started off well with The Mandalorian because, you know, that's got, you know, really, really good ratings. Well, we talked about this before and like, I'm really a big fan of like, um, taking these monolithic properties like Star Wars and, and like the Marvel movies and kind of telling smaller stories. Um, and, and I really like a smaller story in general. I think that, you know, it's quite easy and, and, and quite easy to fall into the pitfall of like um, Star Wars being a great example of like constantly having to have these like universe destroying stakes, you know, um, and it's and it's a real, um, I think, core misunderstanding of what tension in, in, in film and on TV is. And you can have tension, you know, in a drama about a husband and wife having a baby, that's you know equal, if not greater, than the tension in Star Wars when they're blowing up planets, you know. And I think that it, it blunts it, doesn't it? Exactly. And Star Wars, I think, is the biggest um, what's the word offender in that we've had you know three trilogies of films where you know the upshot in every single one of those nine movies is oh my god, somebody's about to blow up the universe, and it's kind of like that's fine, but. You know, it's been forty-five years and eight movies, and I'm no longer shocked by that. <laughs> mm. The the um, um, I and that's the problem with like the Marvel films generally, because you know you you, you kind of know the plot before you even watch it. The better so. Marvel movies and the Marvel movies that I because I've seen all of them, the ones I remember more fondly are the are the standalone ones, and they're the ones that aren't about like you know coming together and punching the baddie to save the world. Um, you know, it's stuff like Ant Man where it's a heist movie, or Captain Marvel, which is more of like a periody piece, and stuff like that. And Thor Ragnarok, which I suppose is yeah. literally about you know the end of the world, but um, a different world. Uh, and you know, it's it's those so who cares? it's those standalone ones that that really like stand out as a Doctor Strange. I suppose would be up there as well in terms of those standalone ones that kind of like appeal more to me and. I'm see, definitely see, we watched that one. We watched that one actually. That's the last time me and you watched one. I of think so. Yeah. Films. Yeah. Well, God, God, we were allowed to meet up, Joe. That must have been in all, all six. Um, um, Thor, Thor Ragnarok cost less than two hundred million pounds to make mm. a million dollars, and they had Jeff Goldblum. Gold's oh, yeah. in his name. He ain't coming cheap. <laughs> <He's got laughs> um, but, but just hey, let's, you. Hey couple, you. A, a couple of. Th- go on. 
I was going to say there's some more trivia to go on, so kind of like, I guess, just, um, Joe, have you got any trivia you want to throw out there? You cannot have any, that's fine. Um, no, not really. <laughs> Great, Sam, you, go. I wanted just to make a note of the adverts in this. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. For this, the first one is a, a, a toaster, which is made by Stark Industries, which I think is wonderful. I was like, what the hell is happening now? And then it was like, this. I thought, oh, that's just brilliant. And the next one is a Strucker watch and it's got like a hydra logo on it um which is just super cute like i love that type of fan service i think it's really fun dude um, you should watch once upon a time in hollywood like genuinely um there's a lot of like you've said a lot of things lately that really lead me to believe you would enjoy and a lot of the stuff going on in it's that. on my list yeah it's on my list um, suggestive the podcast and we're on Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, I have another recommend to do at the end of the episode, but I'll save that to then. Right. Um, the, the other thing, we, we, we touched on it, but how how, how far do you think they're going to go with the with the TV shows? So we're on 70s now. 80s will be episode four. 90s will be episode five. 2000s. Are we going to get, this is what I want, are we going to get The Office? Because uh, yes, apparently we are. No, it'll be Big Bang. Thing. No, 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 no. Apparently we are. Um, this has been this has been sort of like teased at. We are going to get like an office inspired. I don't know whether what, what form that will take, um, but it's in the list of shows that they have studied in order to make this series. Oh my goodness! Well, I'm a happy man, and I'm I'm invested in this. I want I'm a Seinfeld episode. I'd love a Cheers episode. Um, anyway, well, Cheers uh, is eighties, isn't it? So we could get yeah. that next week. But. You've there is phrases in the nineties, certainly, yeah. But there is some interesting trivia just in the like in the making of this uh, that I think are quite like noteworthy. So um, I mentioned uh, when we were talking before the podcast um, that uh, with the black and white, and we mentioned on some of our previous black and white um, episodes that um, it's quite interesting the way they have to shoot things in terms of colours because obviously um, with it being in grayscale bright colours don't necessarily translate in terms of the shading. Um, so Vision, who is traditionally, I said traditionally, um, who is red in the movies, um, when they're filming this, these two episodes, he was painted blue um, <laughs> because it just looked better on grayscale. Um, and I can only imagine what... Um, there's a really famous, I say famous, there's an internet famous um, like uh, album of images of... Uh, the Adams family from the sixties um, sets, and they're all pink, uh, really garish and bright. Um, and but it was shot in black and white, so that's why that it, like it's really hard to look at in color um, because they basically, from the science behind filming in black and white, they knew what colors they needed to be in order to appear as what shades and set other things off. It's really amazing, isn't it? Like how how. How intelligent they were, you know, when they they, they weren't using color, but they still had to really think about it. Um, I think that's just it's just really, really clever stuff. Really clever stuff. It's really cool, yeah. And there's some there's some other fun like production stuff here. So in in the second episode, um, where they have they have the magic acts, don't they? And um, by the way, I just watched the Prestige last night, so like I've got Michael Caine speaking in my head as we're talking about what a magic trick is made up of and and wonder and vision kind of have this conversation of like they can both do essentially magic you know like wonder literally can do magic and vision can like walk through walls and mm-hmm. fly um mm-hmm. so they basically discuss that like they have to do really mundane shit magic tricks because 
they can't do anything that any of their neighbours will look at and think is, oh, that's real magic, you know? Um, which I think is really fun and kind of like a little, a little bit of added tension within the episode. Um, and, and there's and see, seeing um, seeing Wanda do like all these tricks and again, it just comes back to how much range Elizabeth Olsen has in terms of like the comedy of that is spot on. But she's also tinging it with genuine tension because because you know they they're thinking, hmm, what's what's going on? Why while, are we watching this? All the while emulating performances from I Love Lucy and Bewitched and all sorts of you know and the totally. the Dick Van Dyke show like. She's doing all of that. It's layers upon layers. She's doing all of that whilst also like I tell you what it is to another actor. It's acting. It's it's a marvel. Is what it is. We oh, that's the title of the series. Um, <laughs> so um, I guess before we get move off trivia, because there's one really fun thing that I just couldn't get my brain around because it was really funny. Um, Vision starts flying um, because he's drunk. And and Wanda kind of like uses her magic to make a make a like a line appear to, to that he's hanging from. Um, the line she makes appear is actually CGI. So the wires um, holding Vision up so that he he appears to be flying to us, the audience, um, are there. But then they had to CGI the wire that Wanda makes appear for their in series audience to see. They had to CGI that over the top because there was no space for it with the rig that was holding Vision up properly, which I just think is a like a mad convoluted way of making a TV show, and I love it. I really love it. I enjoy that creativity. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess I'm going. I guess I'm done raving about this show for now until potentially we we do another review of of a future episode. Six episodes a week uh, podcast, which you're dreaming of, is coming close, isn't it? With this one. Um, Madman's dream of a milk-proof podcast. <laughs> are we done? Are we done then with with? Um, I know you're done, Joe. I know you're done. That's fine. <laughs> yes. But one division. I I am very. As my very short final thoughts, I'm very excited for this show. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see the the backstory, and I'm excited for the uh, Wonder Vision office. That's what I want. That's what I'm here to see. <laughs> see you in four weeks. Yes, uh, certainly, absolutely. Um, I, I'm kind of there with you, Sam. I'm excited to watch more of this, and um, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what 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 comes next for Marvel, because um, this is a bit different, and it's nice not to just have um, Robert Downey Jr. punching things. Yeah, um, man. It's, it's Wait for pleasant. it. It's going to be great, Tony. Um, Tony, Tony, wait for it. Pony Stark. Well, Come if on, you'd guys. like to, if you'd like to subscribe to Sam's um, semi-erotic brony fan fiction about the Avengers as Pony Pony Stark, um, I love it. I Pony think that's Stark absolutely genius. Is the working title. Um, please email Sam at sam at gmail dot com. <laughs> Gosh, I'm funny. He wishes he got that email. And in the meantime, Disney, please pay us. <laughs> we love your show. Thank you. Right, we'll. Um... That was fun, and uh, I guess we'll we'll see us all next week. Yes, when we're back to regular nineties programming. <laughs>